Speaker Mike Johnson may be a self-described hardliner, but that doesn't seem to be making his job any easier when it comes to persuading his conservative brethren to vote to avoid a government shutdown. By the time we could even get back into D.C., he had negotiated the terms of our surrender. I want the Speaker to start fighting for us and fighting for the American people, which means we have to close the border. You think the Speaker's job is at risk? The way this place operates, I think everybody's job is at risk. This place is a joke. Wow. Uh, Manu joins us live from Capitol Hill. I mean, I don't know what's a more powerful statement. This place is a joke or that uh, Mike Johnson negotiated the terms of our surrender. Yeah, I mean, we heard the same thing with Kevin McCarthy. And yeah. remember, Mike Johnson essentially cut the same spending deal that Kevin McCarthy did that led to his ouster. The government is facing a partial government shutdown by the end of next week. Johnson and Chuck Schumer reached a deal to set overall spending levels that those members are now revolting against. In fact, right now, those same members are in Mike Johnson's office trying to press him to change the terms of the agreement that he reached with Chuck Schumer. They came out optimistic that he would change the terms of that agreement. If he does do that, that would risk a government shutdown by next week. Week. Now, when I caught up with the speaker about all of this, I asked him whether or not he's concerned his job is at risk. He said it's not. And he also urged his colleagues to recognize the narrowness of their majority. Yeah, I mean, do you, I mean, are you worried that one of these guys is going to make a move on you? No, I'm not worried about that at all. I just met with all those guys. They're, they're close friends in, of mine, and we agree on the principles. Look, I, I am a lifelong hardcore conservative. I, I want to get as many policy wins as we can. I want to advance the ball as far as we can. But the reality is we have a small majority. So um, in, a, in a situation like that, you're not going to get everything you want. You, you get what you can get. And uh, we've been trying to negotiate to make that happen, and we're going to continue. And we're going to keep the team together. It's just another day at the office. And one of the big questions is whether or not Johnson would include tougher border restrictions, dealing with the migration crisis at the southern border, try to put new language policy restrictions in a must-pass spending bill. That's what those hardliners are demanding. They're saying we should shut down the government if we don't get our way. Johnson has not gone that far. I asked him about that as well. He simply said all the options are currently on the table. They're reviewing all that. But, Dana, if he does do that, once again, we could face a shutdown fight. If he doesn't go down that route, once again, we could face threats and calls for his ouster. Kevin, Speaker Johnson recognizing that Kevin McCarthy's job wasn't easy. Now he's trying to make sure he can hang on to that gavel. I was just thinking somewhere in Bakersfield, California, Kevin McCarthy is doing this, <laughs> sitting back on his, uh, on his chair. Uh, Manu, thank you, as always, for your excellent reporting. Thanks, Dana. A short time ago, some hardline House Republicans warned their new speaker they will vote to shut down the government if they don't get the changes to immigration policy that they're looking for. Speaker Mike Johnson was dealt a blow yesterday when a, a band of conservatives voted down an unrelated rule that paralyzed the House. The vote was in protest of Johnson's spending agreement with Democrats that was announced earlier in the week. Keep in mind, there are just eight days left to get a plan together to avoid a partial government shutdown. We're joined now by a House Republican who's calling for a shutdown unless there are major changes to border security and to spending. Congressman Tim Burchett of Tennessee joins us now. Congressman, uh, great to see you. Some of your colleagues met with Speaker Johnson earlier today to talk about that new spending proposal. After the meeting, some of those in the room said they thought that Johnson might back out of his deal with Chuck Schumer. He, though, is apparently downplaying that as a possibility. What's your read on the status of things coming out of that meeting? Well, I, my read is, is pretty much 
what most of America is, is they understand we've got a problem at our southern border. Eight million people have come over that's been admitted by this, this White House. We have over 100,000 children that are missing and who know, God knows what awful life they're leading right now, the sex trade or what have you. And we're spending between 150 and close to $400 billion in upkeep for these folks. And this is just an ongoing thing and we can't keep going down this route. And, and I, you either give us a, a border or we're not gonna give you a budget. And that, that needs to be the overwhelming message. And what came out of that meeting is just that. I think the speaker is, um, you know, he's, he was thrown into the deep end, literally, in this thing. And um, he's trying to do the best he can. But I think us conservatives, we just need to give him the support, <clears throat> the support that he needs, because um, I don't think our country can withstand much more of this. Uh, on the question of support for Speaker Johnson, you were one of a, a small group of people that voted to oust uh, the former Speaker Kevin McCarthy over a deal that was very similar to what Johnson has struck with Schumer. There are members of your conference that are leaving the door open to potentially revisiting that now with Speaker Johnson. What's your message to those folks? Well, it's, it's a good message. Uh, again, we're $34 trillion in debt. We take in $5 trillion every year. We spend $7 trillion. I don't care what math you use. That just doesn't work. And we, we've got we've to get some control over this thing. It's out of control. We're headed towards total anarchy. We are rapidly approaching but, a sir, third world country. How, how is that going to convince some of the members in your conference, like Chip Roy of Texas, who is threatening to, to kick Speaker Johnson out? Well, I was one of the eight prior to it, and Chip was not. So, you know, I don't know what's in his heart, but it's, it's a reality, and we, we have to look at it. If, if Speaker Johnson doesn't deliver on the conservative credentials that he promised us, then, then I suspect we will be looking for a new speaker. I, that's, that's always an option, but, but that was a rule that was put in place many years ago. It's been voted on, and it's been approved by this Congress. So, yeah, that is an option. If we don't, if we don't like our boss um, or we don't like the person that's in charge, we have the ability to remove them. If that moves forward, if there's a potential shutdown, don't you think that'll hurt Republicans going into an election year? I think we better stop worrying about political expediency and we better start worrying about our country. You know, it's these folks that are more worried about their portfolios than they are the people of this great country that have gotten us into this mess. The, you know, we want to blame the left and, and Congress and I want to blame that noise that's coming over. <laughs> Sounds like somebody's <laughs> drilling back there. But, but the reality, Boris, is that we've got our national chambers of commerce to blame for this thing. They push for this. They want the cheap slave labor in our country. They don't care how they get it. And, and you know, again, they're the ones that when you see the president rolling in, you always say, who's that out there on the tarmac? Well, I guarantee you, Boris, it's not going to be me and it's not going to be you. It's going to be the boys, that, big boys and girls that write those huge checks that don't give a rip about this country, or they don't. They'll, they'll. When the country's doing great, they'll wave the flag. But the reality is, the deep state is real. It's both parties. They don't see black or white. They see the color green, and they will wreck this country to get it. And they do not care because they'll still have it. They'll be in trouble. They'll be in great shape. Their money will be overseas somewhere, an offshore account somewhere, and they'll survive. And the rest of us will will not. And, and they really don't care. So to me, it, it, the fight is much bigger than the Republicans or the Democrats, because in the history of this world, I doubt that there will be a footnote. But I'll tell you, this great country, if we let it fall, 
we will be at fault for it before, just mainly for our own greed. Uh, Congressman, I, I will put a pin on, on your reference to cheap slave labor. I, I, I'm not sure if that was a reference to immigration, but we, I want to move on to, to something else, and we could pick that up some other time. Uh, the, the drama unfolding at the Oversight Committee yesterday, you were on hand for Hunter Biden showing up during a hearing, leaving after a few minutes, seemingly trying to show that he's unafraid of answering lawmakers' questions. Uh, Chairman James Comer, back in October, offered to let Hunter testify publicly with a transcript uh, to be, or rather, he, he offered to let him testify publicly months ago. Now he wants him to testify privately. Why not just let him answer your questions in front of the world? I don't have a problem with that, Boris. Honestly, I don't. I'm not a lawyer. But what they tell me is this is the procedure that's been done in the past. And the reason they do that is so that if somebody's innocent, say if your name is mentioned in there, um, that it doesn't need to be, it's not part of the, it's not, doesn't have anything to do with it, but you were casually mentioned in it, or maybe some confidential bank records. Those are the type of things they filter through and they don't do in the public. And that possibly is the, uh, the reason why. But really, I don't give a rip, Boris. Get him in there. He's, he's in contempt. He knows he is. Yesterday was just a show for both sides. You and I both know it. But if we didn't have these things, and, um, and the X or, or Twitter or Facebook or any of the others, that wouldn't have been a, been a big deal. But it was because it's instant gratification from both sides of the aisle. And you and I know it. It's a game they play, and it's unfortunate. Uh, Congressman, one last question. Given that so, so much of our conversation was focused on uh, your description of greed and the way that, that corruption can influence politics, former President Donald Trump, acknowledged last night during a town hall that his businesses made roughly $8 million from foreign business dealings, one of them a bank in China that has allegedly helped North Korea skirt sanctions. Is that appropriate? If that's, if that's the truth, then no, it's not, Boris. I don't, I, don't, um, you know, I don't endorse that kind of thing. That's not the league I run in. And no, of course it's not. I would like to get all the details on it. I didn't see it. I, Probably unlike the rest of Congress, I generally don't watch the news, the left or the right. I just live it. So I would have to see that, what he was talking about and what reference. But to me personally, that's disturbing. Congressman Tim Burchett, we got to leave the conversation there. Uh, despite what a lot of people say, there is work going on in Congress, some drilling apparently. Yeah, apparently. I'm not <laughs> sure. I, I, they need to be careful. It might wake somebody up up here. Appreciate the time, sir. Thanks so much. Thank you, Boris.